0: The following sermon is from City Life Church. For more information about City Life Church, please visit us at clcgreenwood.com. Morning, how's everybody doing? Really? What the heck? Is this thing on? Morning, how's everybody doing? Good, that's a little better. Okay, so hey, my name is Mike. Thank you for not sleeping in and waking up today. Congratulations. You guys beat Daylight Savings Time. Give it up for yourself. (laughs) So, um, hey, I know coronavirus has everybody freaked out right now. Um, We are not freaked out by it, and so we still have communion out here. Um, If you are freaked out by it, feel free to pass on communion. That is totally up to you. Um, but we're, we're going to take precautions that way. We're going to leave the choice to you. So we're going to just communion at the end of the service. If you feel like that is not for you, nobody will judge you and look at you differently. We may talk about you later, but we will not do it while we're here. I'm just kidding. You guys need to lighten up today. Seriously, like, good Lord. Y'all are like all serious right now. Okay, so um, my name is Mike, and the lead pastor here. And you'll see some other people on the stage from time to time. One of the things that we're doing is we we changed everything. Our stage two weeks ago was over there. And so if this is your first time being here, things look a little disheveled and unfinished. There's a reason for that. And so we flipped everything over here to get more space. And so we're finishing it week by week as we go. Um, Can we just thank our incredible piece of the volunteer force that makes this stuff happen every week. Um, we'll, be, we'll be giving you their names, um, but we're, we're just waiting for that just so we can um, kind of uh, highlight them to you after all this is done. Because they put in an incredible amount of work in here, so it's been awesome. So, um, a couple things we need to celebrate before we jump in, and then I'll tell you a funny story about myself. So, in the student ministry, since January, we have seen three students surrender their lives to Jesus. Can we celebrate that? Now, one of the things that you have to get used to at City Life if you're going to be a part of this is the Bible says that when somebody moves from death to life and salvation, that all of heaven celebrates. Now, there's a lot of people in heaven, and I know they know how to party. That was an okay celebration. Okay, so that was our warm-up. Y'all ready for the next one, though? Okay, so there's a guy named Devin. Devin was one of those guys who had a church understanding when he was young. He did not want anything to do with God as an adult, said that it was pointless, had no desire to follow him. Well, his brother, Derek, comes to our church, and he saw Derek's life, and he watched him make sense of things the way that, like, Devin kind of stood back and, and watched Derek's life, and Derek lived this out in front of him, and answered some pretty intentional calling on his life, taking his family across country to plant a church, coming back and being a part of our church, and so Devin said, okay, I'm going to come to church with you. And so he, he started to hear about Jesus in a way that he hadn't before, which was gracious and merciful and that he would forgive the sins of his past and make him this new person and set him free. And, and it was intriguing to him. And so we started to have conversations. He continued this dialogue with his brother, Derek, and this last week, he said, Man, um, I don't know what's going on, but I think I'm ready to surrender. So let me tell you what had happened in the meantime. As Devin was coming here, his life actually got worse. Isn't that crazy? And he still saw Jesus was the answer to everything that was going on in his life. And this week, he surrendered his life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> So you'll hear uh, his bigger story in our baptisms uh, that we do, and it's going to be an an amazing opportunity to celebrate as well. So uh, I was at a church planting conference this week in Orlando, flying back Thursday. Um, As we started to descend into Indianapolis, it felt like somebody stuck an earplug in my left ear, and I literally could not hear. So I'm like, all right, it'll go away. I'll wake up Friday morning, it'll be fine. Well, it didn't go away. And so I looked at these remedies online, and there was only one that I hadn't done, and it says you know, ear junk may be in there so you need to break it up. So I had my wife pour peroxide in my ear. I don't suggest that. Not a good time okay i thought she stabbed me in the ear but she really did just pour (laughs) peroxide in there and so immediately the room started spinning like i was on a carnival funhouse ride okay my eyes literally were going like this i felt like a crazy person so i dumped it out and i was like oh shoot i'm gonna pass out so i run to my sink and i'm holding on and water is running i'm like oh no i'm gonna throw up and i didn't but that would have been more fun wouldn't it and so i was like okay I'm just going to go about my day. Everything is okay. So I felt terrible that day. I felt terrible yesterday. And I woke up this morning and I'm, all right, this is much better. And for the first time in the eight years our church has existed, I was late to my own church today. Because I thought it was going to pass out again, and I was like, God, you know where I have to be right now. (laughs) Like, what is happening? And so I get in my car, and I start seeing Carrie Underwood. Jesus, you got to take the wheel. Don't let me wreck, because I'm going to die on the way to church, and that would be awful. And so here I am. So if I fall off the stage, just put me back up here. I'll finish the message. Don't laugh too long. It's going to be good, okay? All right, so today, I wanted to tell this story to lighten the mood just a little bit, because today is a decision day, all right? We have preached through this generosity series. The question is, do you trust me? Now, God has done some incredible things through the series already through his word, where he is drawing us into something deeper with him. Today, the question I am asking you is, are you all in? Now listen, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you actually have to answer this question. Okay? Welcome to City Life if this is your first time. (laughs) If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is what I want you to hear throughout today that the freedom you're looking for is truly found in Jesus. I know from experience, being on the other side of this life, that everything I I tried and I thought would bring me freedom never did. So to prepare, we are going to work through some scripture that's very intentional. So I want you to go to Luke. We're going to go to chapter 16, and we're going to be reading some verses there. Right in the middle, kind of the end of the service, I should say, I'm going to show you a video that's going to show a story of some people who went all in in their life in this whole idea. But let me pray for our service, and then we'll get started. God, we love you. We thank you so much for what you're doing here at City Life. It's incredible that we get to celebrate salvation, people moving from death to life. And God, we know that this is why you have told our church to exist, because people need to hear and know the hope that is truly only found in you, Jesus. We pray that as we wrap this series of generosity up today, answering the question, do you trust me? God, that our hearts would be opened so greatly by the Holy Spirit that we would be moved to answer yes to this question of am I all in? Because God, this is literally how you intended our lives to be lived. And so I pray right now that you would remove distraction from the room, from our mind, from the things we may be thinking about that we have to do later today or work tomorrow. God, just remove all that stuff and let us be able to focus on what the word says today. We love you, and we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So, as we are wrapping this series up, we're preparing for this fasting and prayer. We are hopefully moving you into this idea of where your heart is going to be aligned with Jesus at a much greater level. Okay? And this is why we're working through this. But the reason we're asking this question, are we all in? Because today we're trying to move you from indifference to love. This idea of being indifferent about things to love. Those are two very starkly contrasted ideas. And indifference is not a word that we use all that much today. So let me explain it to you. The definition of indifferent means a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. It means a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Now, it's really easy for you to decide what you're passionate about, right? It's where you spend your money, it's what you schedule, it's what you spend your time doing, those are your passions, the things you're indifferent about, or anything else that honestly kind of falls off of that list. Now, there's differing levels, and there's varying levels of indifference in our life, because I'm not cold to certain things if I don't have them, you know, present in my life, but there's some things I honestly just don't care about, So I want you to think about this indifference in your life. There's a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Now, on the other side, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, we are called to a much higher level of love. The world, as humanity, we have a cap on our love, okay? It's called a phileo love. It is the highest level we can love. That's your ride or die friend. It is supposed to be the person that's with you in marriage. That is the highest level of love that you can love. But When you experience the love of salvation and you understand what Jesus rescued you from, you surrender your life to that. You are now loved with a sacrificial love you have never experienced in your life. And then Jesus says, okay, now I want you to strive to love that way too. That's a totally different love. We have love over here and indifference over here. Here's the definition of love. Hey, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That encompasses everything that you are. And I want you to love everybody else as much as you love yourself. Okay? Just two commands. Really simple ones, right? That means the people we like. That means the people we don't like. That means the people considered our enemies. That means the people we can't stand. That means doing the things that we don't like to do because Jesus said, no, I told you to love. This is the difference of indifference and love. Because remember the definition is a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Well, if it's an enemy of mine, it's really easy for me to not be concerned with them or not have sympathy on them. But what about even if it's good stuff? Good stuff a lot of times doesn't get our concern. It doesn't get our empathy. It doesn't get our love, right? It's not just the bad stuff. And so what Jesus is doing today is he's taking us to a little bit different level because he has three top priorities that he expects our life to be lived in. Because when we're asking about generosity, we're not just talking about money. In fact, we've, we've talked about money through this, but this is a whole life generosity. Here's this top three. Number one, you are to share the gospel with other people. When Jesus is about to leave earth and he's ascending into heaven and he's giving this one final command, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go as you go tell people what you've seen, and then teach them to observe all these things. So the very first thing that we see is as we go, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, your life is supposed to be marked by going and sharing the gospel. Now, that is not a destination. That is all of your life. The go is a passive go. So it literally means as you go. So as you leave church today, as you go to work or school tomorrow, as you go to the mall later, as you do whatever it is that you do, this is what this means literally, okay? Now, the second thing is then the last part of that verse, which it says, teaching them to observe everything. Church, let me just say you this. You cannot teach people what you don't know yourself. So if there is something that has become indifferent to you, it would be your lack of growing and becoming a more devoted follower of Jesus. See, let me tell you what happens about 9.5 out of 10 times here in the U.S., okay? They're, I love being around new Christians because you cannot talk them out of anything. They don't care about political correctness. They don't care about anything except telling you what happened to them because of Jesus. But then there comes the reality of life, and they go, Oh, wait, this is actually difficult. I, this is way harder living this out for Jesus than it was before, but... You're now faced with the decision, of am I going to do this or not? And so what happens is, hopefully, this person works through the difficult place in their life. They continue to grow and become like Jesus, and they start to teach other people. But if we can become indifferent about this, here's where we settle. All right, my salvation is paid for. I've surrendered to Jesus. That's good enough, Right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a good person, and, and I'm going to love as much as I can, and, but, like, that's good enough, right? And unfortunately, we kind of settle in this spot a lot. But then the third thing that he told us to do very intentionally was to care for the poor. Jesus talked about the poor and needy being around us all of the time, that they would always be there to care for, that we are the ones responsible for meeting the needs of the people around us. And there's a lot of really good philanthropy projects out there people who aren't even followers of jesus answering the call of jesus to take care of the poor and the helpless in our cities but do you realize that that is a call on the lives of followers of jesus to do that a parachurch organization didn't even exist until a few hundred years ago because it was the responsibility of the church and the follower of jesus to take care of what the bible calls the least of these these top three things are on god's top three priority list have you become indifferent towards them And I just need you to be honest about this. And the evidence is going to be in your life, right? You can tell me whatever you want. The evidence is going to be in your life, okay? So is your life arranged around you sharing the hope of the gospel with people? That's a real simple yes or no. Is your life arranged by you sitting under the weight of the word, allowing it to change you, you become more like Jesus, and then you tell other people and you teach them the same thing? That's honestly a real simple yes or no. And then do you care for the poor? Okay? Okay. So these three things, honestly, they're really not difficult for us to figure out. They're really simple answers, I think, right? Because you can clearly watch them, you know? Yeah, I spend all my time doing this, I spend my money doing this, I spend this, this. It's going to line up. It's going to show you what you do with your life, okay? Here's, here's what I am probably have a pretty good sneaking sufficient on. We do these things in slivers, right? The opportunity presents itself. I share the gospel, but my life is not arranged around that, I feel like, man, it's been a while since I spent time with the Lord, so I'm going to really jump in and I'm going to grow. And you know what? I'm going I'm to help this person too. And then like, oh, man, I see that need. That's crazy. That mom, she needs groceries. We're going to buy those for her, right? And then those come in these slivers and these moments of time. But our life is not, that is not the derivative of our, of our life. Those are just moments and pieces of time. That is not what God is interested in. What that would be a description of is a life that has become indifferent towards the top three priorities of what Jesus said to do. Now, church, here's what I want you to understand about this. This is the the such weird dichotomy that we live in. Every Christian in this room knows that is what their life is supposed to be lived like. None of you disagree with me. Yet we get caught in this trap of not living like this. And then we go, but I know I'm supposed to. But I'm not. But I know I'm supposed to but I'm not. It's this weird thing, right? It's almost like we can get above our life and we can look down and we can watch it happen in front of us, but we never seem to do anything about it. But what happens is the ones that do something about it, those are the ones we all look to and go, man, I want to be like that. You're supposed to be like that, (laughs) right? But we're paralleling these two differences between us becoming indifferent about the things that matter to God, this whole idea of generosity, because that's generosity with your time, with your schedule, with your life arrangement, with the dollar amounts that come into your household. This is generosity all the way around, right? And so the question we're asking today is, are you all in? This, this, this first and foremost primary question is, do you trust me? God says, look, here's what I want you to hear about this, okay? If you you now can look down on your life and you can see and say, I know this is not me. I know this is how I should be living, but I'm in this busy season of life, and I I, and I'll get to it eventually. What I want you to know and understand is, is God is here, ready to dump blessings on you for your obedience, and He's just withholding them from you. And all he wants to know is, Do you trust me? I promise you I want better for you than you have. I want better for you than what you're doing. You seem like you have it together up here. I get that. I promise you, this is not what I want your life to look like. Your life, because I rescued you, is mine. Arrange it accordingly. God, what do you want me to do for a job? What do you want me to spend my schedule doing? What do you want me to do with the money that you have given me? These are questions we should have on a regular, continual basis, but the top three priorities of God is we should be sharing the gospel, we should be discipling ourselves and others, and we should be serving the poor. Now throughout today, I'm going to share two bits and pieces of a lady story named Sheila. And Sheila is a top executive in the city of Chicago. She works in a high-rise building, she looks down over the city, and she makes tons of money. Sheila grew up in China, and this is a true story. She grew up in China, and the motto of her family, literally she said, I heard this a thousand times growing up. No, we can't afford that. We have to protect what our family has. No, we can't afford that. We have to protect what our family has. She would say, my dad would often say, savings is the most important part of your future. Savings is the most important part of your future. And so when she was seven years old, living in China, on her very street, somebody showed her where there was a sweatshop. And it said that her heart became so burdened because she found out that little girls her age were working in there 12 to 15 hours a day for little pay, and they were trapped in there. And she said it broke her heart. And she just said, God, will you please let me help people like this one day? Seven years old. We'll come back to that story in the end. But what I want you to see is we're going to understand what Jesus has to say about this so go to Luke chapter 16. He's going to tell a story of this this idea of this rich man and a guy named Lazarus. Now what I want you to see about this the rich man in this story is not a follower of Jesus but there are plenty of parallels that are going to cross over to us as followers of Jesus okay we're going to read the first verse here and then we're going to stop look at verse 19. It says, there was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. Well, let's look at 20. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. So pause for a minute. Here's what we know about this guy immediately. From this story, if you were to ask him, do you think you're a generous person? I guarantee you his answer would have been yes. It says that he feasted lavishly. Which meant he threw parties for his friends and his family. He lived behind a gate. He welcomed them in. He entertained them often. And he wore this purple clothing, which, which meant he was very wealthy. So if you would have asked this guy, he would have said, yes, I am generous towards my friends and family. Because it said that he feasted often and lavishly. You want to know who else thinks they're very generous? Anybody want to take a wild guess? I bet you think you're generous too, don't you? Because I think I'm generous. Anybody? Anybody think we're generous people? No? You guys know where I'm going with this, don't you? You guys are too smart. Just raise your hand and humor me, okay? (laughs) Anyways, let me tell you who thinks they're generous. All of America, okay? There was a massive nationwide survey done where they interviewed thousands and thousands of people. You wanna know who said that they were generous? Every single person interviewed. When they got a little bit deeper and more intentional, 70% of the people were very adamant about how generous they were. So they said, what dollar amounts are we talking about here? 15% of those 70 people gave just a little bit more than $50 a year away. The rest of them under that didn't even give up to $50. Every single person thought they were generous. This guy we're reading about thought he was generous. See, generosity in the world's eyes and generosity in God's eyes is something completely different. Let's go back to the story. Verse 21, this beggar named Lazarus, this poor man, it says, he longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. He did not ask for food. He just said, give me the stuff that you throw away. But he didn't even get that either from the rich man. So one day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Now let me pause for a second. Two things that this verse tells us. Number one, if you were a Jewish man and you got to be by Abraham's side, that was a place of honor. This would have been such a high honor for him. I don't know how this all works like if this is true like you can see out of hell into heaven and you can have that picture I don't I don't know this is how Jesus is teaching it but here's what I do know there is a very very clear picture that there is a heaven and there is a hell and what you can hear from this is this is this guy is not only separated away but he is in torment and this is why we preach the truth about this from scripture is that hell is very real Now, it's not the reason why we're so passionate about salvation is so people don't go to hell. It's just if they do not surrender their life because they've had the opportunity, this is where the Bible says they will spend eternity. What I want you to know is this guy had the opportunity too. Look at this next verse, 24. He says, Father Abraham, if he did not know Scripture or had been told it before, he would not know who Abraham even was. This guy had the opportunity and the understanding to surrender his life to Jesus. So he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. Do you want to understand this rich man to some degree still saw himself above Lazarus? Do you notice he's not even addressed Lazarus yet? He asked God to send Lazarus as the servant down to dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. Because there's still this arrogance and pride here that would say, no, my wealth was so important. This is who I am. Send that beggar, Lazarus, even though he's in heaven with you, send him to cool my tongue. Listen to the state of where the sky is still at. So look at verse 23, or 5. Son, Abraham said... Remember that during your life, you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you, so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot. Neither can those from there cross over to us. Now, does this mean because the rich man had good things, he's now in hell? Everybody say, nope, that's not what that means. No, that's not what that means. If you're a wealthy person sitting in this room, there's nothing wrong with that. If you have possessions, if you have things, there's nothing wrong with that. What is wrong is where your heart is tied. Because what if God would have said, okay, you have plenty. I want you to feed Lazarus every day. Now that you're a follower of mine, I want you to feed Lazarus every day. Matter of fact, I want you to invite him in and let him sit at one of your fancy dinner parties. I don't know about that, God. That's crazy to me. I'll give him food. Like when it's the big feast, we have lots of leftovers. We'll give him food. Heart would be tied to the wrong thing. Technically obedient by giving food away, but not what God is after. Understand there's this great chasm between the two, heaven and hell, and this is showing the absolute finality in death. Church, this is why we're so intentional about asking, are you all in? Because here's what I can imagine every person in the room thinking. I mean, yeah, I, I want to do this stuff, but it's just, it's not a good time right now. If you understood my bill situation, if you understand the money that I'm making, if you understand I'm so tight on everything, I couldn't give a penny away if I wanted to. There's going to be better times. I'm sure neither one of these people thought they were going to die when they did. The finality of death is just that. It's final. There's no do-overs. There's no, I'm going to go back and get this right. There's no, I have time for this. I'm young. I can figure this out. You have no idea how many breaths you have left. And when you hear things like this, in a generosity that God says, hey, you surrendered your life to me. I want all of it. And your response is, I will get to that, God. I just want you to understand what you're saying. Because we're asking for you to be all in. And when I say we, I mean God. I'm just his messenger today. And what he is saying is like, look, this is not what I rescued you for. I said, surrender everything to me. I will rescue you and I will set you free. But then the rest of your life is to be lived for me. And God is not a puppet master who's over the top of us controlling us by strings. He goes, now live for me. And he gives us the freedom to live for him. Even though he knows that so many of us are going to live idle lives that do nothing for his kingdom, he then gets our attention by things like this and says, hey, listen to me. I have three priorities. You should be out sharing the hope of the gospel that you surrendered your life to. You should be growing every day to become more like me and teaching other people to do the same thing. And the poor is all around you. That is your responsibility to care for, not the parachurch organizations that do it. Hey, I want all of you. And I think it's okay for God to ask that because it cost him his life and it cost him everything that he had. What I want you to understand about this interchange is there's nothing wrong with money and things. Please don't hear that from me. It all depends on where your heart is tied and if you trust God with that stuff. Let's look at the next verse. He says, 27, Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house, because I have five brothers to warn them, so they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, they should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent, but he told him, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. See, this rich man thought, okay, if Lazarus, everybody knows Lazarus died. The guy sat outside of my gate forever. If that guy resurrects and goes back and tells his brother, hey, hell is real. Your brother's there. Pay attention. He knows, man, they will come to know faith in Jesus. And Abraham says, no, they have everything they need in church. So do we. We don't get to see the resurrected Savior, but we have his word. What his word says is, do you trust me and are you all in? I want you to watch this video and then we're going to wrap up. What we're asking is if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, are you going to be willing to be obedient to this two questions? Do you trust me and are you all in? If you're not a follower of Jesus in this room, where you're all in starts is by you starting a conversation today about what that looks like. What does surrender mean to you? What, what does that mean to be freed from my past and to be, have this weight of everything lifted off of me? What, is this, what does this mean that I can now deal with anxiety and worry and stress and doubt and all those things? I can deal with those and I have something to do with them. And this is where your conversation starts if you do not have a relationship with Jesus. But then if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, I mean, that is all in, and that's not what we're asking you to do. But if they then not go all in in the beginning, they would have never answered that call. As you can see that they didn't experience financial setback. They didn't, in fact, they're very, very well off, but they're very, very generous with their money because they said, yes, we are all in, God. This is not going to be a God to us. So my question to you is this. God's top three priorities are you going to arrange your life around those are you going to be able to say yes I am all in and watch what God does with you because Sheila as she's sitting in her Chicago high-rise office looking out over the city one of her friends comes in and says hey we want you to go on this trip to Haiti with us and so she goes on an impromptu vacation As she's walking down the street, she comes across this mission organization that has rescued women and little girls from sweatshops. So she comes back to the U.S. and she starts to send a monthly support check, 50 bucks or so to them. Across her desk comes a letter that says we're going to have to shut the mission down. There was a mess up in the shipping cargo from the U.S. here to Haiti, and it's going to cost us $250,000, and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, because she was shaped early in her childhood to save everything that she had, and savings was the future. But she also prayed a prayer, and God said, this is what I've been wanting to do with your life. You told me you were ready to be all in. You have $200,000 in your savings account, and you have $50,000 in your checking. I want you to pay that. She emptied both of them to zero. She hand-delivered the check to the mission. And she said, God told me to do this and I'm at complete peace with this. What happened with that mission's organization is incredible after her answer to yes, I'm all in. As she's traveling back home, she hears God distinctly say, you may have forgotten that prayer, but I didn't. And because you said you were all in, I was able to use your obedience and change lives around the world. And he will do the same thing with you, church. Let me ask you to close your eyes and pray. For those of you that don't have a relationship, your are all in starts with your surrender today. At least a conversation about what that looks like. As soon as we're done, I'm, I'm done praying. Over on stage left, we have couches set up. This is an opportunity for you to start this conversation. What does that mean? What does that look like? What do you mean I can be freed from this stuff that I'm going through in in my past that plagues me? This is where we start that conversation. But for you Christian brothers and sisters in this room, listen to me, you have to answer this question today. Are you all in? The things that we arrange for ourselves in this life... The kingdoms that we build here mean nothing to the impact of those top three priorities. I'm not telling you you need to sell everything, get different jobs, rearrange your whole entire life. I'm just telling you you need to answer yes to this question. And God, I will start to live out your three priorities. I will share the hope of the gospel of people. I will become a disciple of your word and I will I will let it affect my life and how I live and I will let it change me and I will start to teach other people this too. And I will care for the poor around me. In my city, in my family, at our schools, I will care for them because you called me to do that. God, I pray for our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, split them wide open however you need to. The people that are living this out, drive encouragement and grace and freedom into that heart that you split open. For the ones that aren't living in this out God, drive in there showing them what they're missing out on. Not what they're gaining in the world, but what they're missing out on by not saying yes to this. But then the ones who are not followers of you, Jesus, let them see today that it is okay and it is safe to start this conversation that you just want to rescue them and set them free. We love you we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.